Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. podcast from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. All the on track action, all the news from the pits and paddock. This is IMSA radio. of day two from the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship practice at Sebring. It is test days here. 3.74 miles of concrete for the drivers to try and go out and conquer. But it begins not on day two. We are not in Friday yet. It is still Thursday. And I apologize for the noise, but race cars sound better at night. And it is night practice. Two hours worth of a session for the drivers. Before it, they get about... 10 hours worth of sleep before we come back in the morning and do it all again. Hi everyone, I'm Shay Adam with RS2 IMSA Radio. Been bringing you interviews presented by Cadillac and the Cadillacs are not out running tonight. All four of them have been put to bed early. No scratches or dents on any of those cars after we've already elapsed about 10 hours of running for this test session. Tomorrow will be even busier, but we still have plenty of drivers to talk to, plenty of stories to chase up on. No official timing and scoring going out today, so we don't know who's fastest, but the people on track sure have a good feel of how they will be when we come back here in a few weeks' time for the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring presented by Freshman Florida. So more from the cars, and then we'll hear from the drivers. Weird to see Sean Ray Hall wearing Lexus colors, but it kind of works. You've got this factory deal going on with the NAEC ride in that Lexus. First off, been driving it all day. What's it like? Yeah, you know, it's completely different from the Acura and the Ferraris I've driven in GT3-wise. But uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It kind of reminds me, I guess because the engine's up front and the way it transfers... It's a little bit different than everything else, and it kind of reminds me of a prototype around here because it's the car handles a little bit different than GT cars, I would say, in, in like the high-speed stuff over the bumps. But I'm just having a blast. All the boys at um, you know 3GT Racing and Lexus, you know, everyone's great over there, and I'm just having a ton of fun. And Jack Hawksworth, I raced really hard with in 2014 in PC. Like we were talking about it yesterday when I ran into him about like door slamming with him. You know, Kyle Marcelli's in the other car, and me and Kyle go back to the Run and Skip Barber Nationals in 2009, where he was crashing at our house, and we were driving from Georgia, West Georgia, all the way to Barber Motorsports for the races. So it's a small little circle of friends, and it's cool to finally be driving for Paul and John and the rest of the team after, you know, four or five years of racing against them. How did this deal come together? Because it's very last minute. So, after Daytona... I was just standing around. I saw Paul. I went to say hello because I hadn't seen him all week. Walks up to me. We say hello. I was like, you know I'm still a silver, right? And he's like, what? No, I, I forgot. And he's like, I thought you were the other gold in the car. I'm like, no. So he basically then says, are you signed for all the long races? And I'm like, I think me and Hart have a deal that we're going to work out that we're talking about, but it's not done yet. And he said, don't sign anything. I said, all right, well, we need something pretty soon. So literally, I had a confirmation about, uh, I don't want to say a week later. And um, yeah, so it was it was just one of those things where I get, you know, they say right place, right time. I don't think you could have put it like the heart trailer right beside the Lexus trailer, you know, and that kind of thing, like that kind of scenario. So oh, it's pretty cool. You've got a lot coming up this year, a lot on your calendar, doing the um, LMP3 stuff in the States as well, and you were telling me that one of your competitors is actually your tenant. Yeah, Scott Andrews, yeah. I moved over in Australian. Uh, the joke is, is I adopted him. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but it's it's fun, because he also races um, part-time, I think like four out of six races in Le Mans Cup, so we travel over to Europe together this year. And then, you know, he's doing a couple races here in IMSA in the uh, IMSA Prototype Challenge. So, yeah, it works out nicely. He's Australian, so he's not too big of a pain. He's actually pretty fun to hang out with and, uh, you know, a low-maintenance, cool guy. So, uh, yeah, we get along well. 
Does it work better for you with the crazy schedule you've got going on that the NAEC, it, it fits more your schedule than doing the whole season? It works better. You know, ideally I'd be full-time here and, you know, miss one of the races over there. Um, but, you know, it's tough to say. You know, I'm just happy to really be back in the IMSA paddock with the NAEC. I think this was, like, the first goal because I kind of got stuck in that PC class as just one of those drivers. I think my first goal would be, hey, let's do full NAC and ELMS and then try to figure out how to get full-time because, you know, you think four races compared to ten – there's only six races over there, you know. I'm trying to race as much as possible. That's all I care about is I want to trophy hunt as much as possible. So, uh, yeah, we'll figure that out, try to make dreams happen. Especially racing in front of a home crowd. Racing in the U.S. is big for you, I know. Yeah, you know, it's. I'd say there's two sides of that. It's pretty cool going over there and being like, hell yeah, we're the Americans. And it's pretty cool having your fan, or most of my fan base, because, like, for example, when I'm in France and they don't know English, they're not going to follow me on Twitter or, like, know what I'm talking about, you know? So it is pretty cool and pretty special, and I'm really excited about this. Is I feel like the first time since 2014 I'm going to Petite, my home race in Atlanta, where I got my start with Enzo in 2013 to compete for a podium and a real win, you know? You're someone who's won on the big tracks before. I'm thinking back to that win at Indy in the uh, Indy Lights a few years back. You know how important it is. When you come to a place like Sebring, do you feel the history and even more of a desire to win because of what the track has been through in the past? Yeah, you know what's funny is I uh, the last time I drove here, I had to come down here for like something Ferrari Challenge after the 12-hour last year. And um, I get in the Ferrari Challenge car, and where we just kind of take it easy like my guy was you know a good amount good chunk off and i'm like no this is sebring like we gotta we gotta kind of like a little bit go for it you know we gotta put down like a you know papelli was out there in another car so i was like all right what's spence doing you know <laughs> like it's it's just one of those tracks where like i got the plate from second place and you know last year there was like three cars in lmpc and in my opinion it's like coming to gtd now i'm in a real class i don't think you know, not taking anything away from PC the past couple of years, but 2014 was its healthiest when I ran it. Back then, those trophies matter, but, like, I want a real play. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's what I'm here for. But the trophy collecting that you did last year, getting that third-place finish, you still value that. Second place. But, Second yeah, place. yeah, I still value it. It's, it's, it's on yeah. my wall. Yeah. It's actually – so what I do is to keep motivated that way, like – say i have a couple too many drinks on like when i get back from a race or something like what? that never never me <laughs> right above my coffee machine in my kitchen i have all my trophies like above the cabinet so i have to look at them and have to say yeah i gotta go for a run today i gotta still do a 10k even though i feel terrible so uh yeah i'm, I'm all about like the motivation factor and trying to figure out how to keep that keep my head on straight well i'm glad to see you back in this paddock hope to see more of you next year good luck in the 12 hour thank you so much glad to talk to you guys before the day two track action kicks off properly, there's already action going on out here on the pit lane. And one of the voices that we often refer to but don't hear to is Johnny Knotts, the lead pit lane official. There's a ton of you guys out here any given race weekend keeping us safe, which thank you for, but also trying to keep the rules in check. You're just a giant walking rule book, aren't you? For the most part, yeah. Um, we're very fortunate that the staff that I have with me, um, I normally take 10 guys to every race and a girl. Yeah. First female pit lane official that we've had. Um, and you're right, we're walking rule book. But more so than that, I like to feel like we're here. Yes, we're here to enforce the rules and observe and report. But we're also, my main thing is help the crews, help the teams. Um, my background you know retail and the way IMSA operates as a as a complete unit um, is customer service and we are here to take care of our customers and without the crews and without that there would be no rule book you know there would be no racing yeah so that's kind of how we go but I'm very blessed to have the guys that work and I mean and in my group of guys you know we range from a retired brain surgeon from you know engineers at Ford, you know to me that had no background in motorsports. <laughs> so it's it's very eclectic, is what you're saying. Yes, yes. And what makes it so fun is, of course, you, you know we come for the racing, we come for the thrill of the cars, 
but for me and I think everybody in the paddock, it's it's about the people. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally about the people. And you're friends with everybody. There's no bias down here. People are joking with you up and down the pit lane, so it's a nice environment that's been created. It's been, yes, and I have to say, even when times are intense, mm. it's never personal. And it's such a, I'll go back to what I said, you know, like the, the IMSA way is family-oriented. And within the paddock, you can see that. And it transfers out to the pit lane. So there's been numerous times, as you know, <laughs> following me around, that when things do get intense, there's always, oh my gosh, Johnny, we didn't mean to yell at you. Yeah. You know, I'm so sorry that we yelled at you. But there again, it's the way, I think the success of that and the reason for that is the way, not only myself, because I'm all about the customer service, but it's the way that IMSA, not only with WeatherTech, but Continental, all of our, our, our series under the IMSA umbrella, we have to have the customer service. And hopefully that's what sets us apart from other disciplines. I'll put it that way. Well, it, it certainly feels that way when you walk up and down the pit lane that people are happy to be here and, and they feel that appreciation. We're sitting basically where the podium is where where it used to be where it the, used to be up. the celebration of the victory and we've got Penske right next to us on one side Park Place on the other but Penske very new to the series when they came in at Petit Le Mans they were flagging you down about every five minutes to ask you a question that's part of why you're here is to help them not break the rules right yeah, exactly not I, I will tell you when we have a new competitor that comes into the series and we do spend time not only when we're on track but it doesn't matter who they are, whether it's a big team like Penske or a smaller team that's coming in. Um, I go see them. I go see them before we even have cars on track and sit there and go through the rule book and go, hey, here's my expectations on pit lane. Here's what we look for. You know, and I will say this, that I'm always, I'm not there to catch you. Yeah. I'm there to prevent from things happening. And that's the mindset of what we have out here. And I think from that point, when teams realize that, they know that, hey, these guys are really out here, you know, to keep us on the track, to keep us racing. Because that's what it's about. Yeah. It's not about penalties. It's not about cars sitting in the penalty box. So, you know, I can't stress this enough. So people don't see it behind the scenes. So not only do I do it, but everybody with an IMSA, it's all about going to see people giving them the customer service that they deserve, and making sure they're prepared when they come out here. Penske, um, professional. How do you get more professional? You know, they, they basically set the bar, you know, for uh, um, how to operate at a racetrack. But there again, like you said, they, they were asking a lot of questions. We gave them the right answers. They basically, as far as their first visit to Petit Le Mans was, was flawless. And... The thing I, I, I do all the time, I go and say, are you having fun? Yeah. And even from all their drivers, who I kind of like, <laughs> they got a great personality. You know How who can I'm, you not? You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. But the first thing I said, are you having fun? And he goes, I love this. Yeah. I love this. And I will say this, too, because since Alonzo brought so much attention to the Rolex, mm. the first thing I asked him, are you having fun? Yeah. And he goes, I love this. And he loved the atmosphere. So I think the way we do things, that was a pat on the back to IMSA. That here you have a high-profile F1 driver visiting with us for the first time. And it's like, yeah, I'm having a blast. The second thing you asked him was also if you wanted to go get an alcoholic beverage at some point. <laughs> which you, you seem to have a common theme. You want to be friends with a lot of people and make them comfortable around you too. That's exactly it. Now, I'll tell you this. I don't know if you know this. The way I actually met him... I walked up to him and asked him if he was having a good time. And he goes, yeah. And I said, well, who are you? <laughs> and he looked at of me. Of course you did. And I said, can I see your hard card? And he just had this look on his face. And then that kind of broke the ice yeah. with me and him. And he's kind of like, okay, yeah, it's fun. And, he, yeah, I try to get him to go have a beer like I do everybody else out here. <laughs> but You said that there's a lot that we don't see. There's a lot that goes on that maybe the fans are oblivious to or not welcomed into because some stuff has to stay not relatively quiet but part of the business is staying private you always are walking around with your helmet on and your headset who are you actually talking to through your headset 
mainly um, with race control and the way our structure is um, with the 10 people I have out here, the 10 other officials, we communicate between ourselves. And I will say this, as we've had our previous conversation, we've been doing it so long together as a group that we really do not have to talk a lot because we know what we're doing and we know what we're thinking, each one thinking. So as a rule, basically, I'm communicating to the race director with Bo and with John Maskey, who's on the radio with not only pit lane officials, but all the teams. So there's some interesting things on the radio um, that are quite serious because this is a big time business. Any time of any form of racing is big time business. But there's also an excitement and also some fun. You know, and uh, there's been some interesting things. Um, I remember the first time I ever did Seabring as a rookie. had no idea. And I'm listening to the radio. That's all I did my first year. I just stood up on the cold side of the wall and listened to the radio. And I remember, the, the, and I can say this because I know the gentleman was okay, mm-hmm. but one of the corner workers fell down into a tire pack. Gosh. And he couldn't get out. And, of course, with the heat, you know, there were some the medical issues, but he, he was fine. But that was the first time I'd ever put on a radio, and I was oblivious that this went on. Yeah. You know, so I think what most fans don't realize is just how much work goes in to putting on a race. And it's not so much, you know, even myself, when I was a fan coming down here, parking on the front stretch in my, my rented RV, I never knew. I never knew, for example, I didn't know how coordinated truck parking was, you know, and it's, and it's, it's an orchestra. It's like going to a concert to see the trucks come in, you know, and that's just one aspect. But I will say this, that well, I've been in it, what, 13 years now. The one thing I see with IMSA is the teamwork not only from pit lane, but from logistics, from race control, from marketing. We all know each other very well. And actually, we're all good friends. So that makes a great environment to work with. And I think people, fans coming in, they wouldn't know that. They probably, if you run a business, yeah, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. But to put a race weekend together starts, so for like Sebring. The checkered flag for the 2018. We get the checkered flag. We're already working for the 2019. And that's every event that we go through. Well, thank you for a little bit of time, Johnny. It's great to finally give you a voice to just referencing your name. We'll see you on the pit lane all year, my friend. You got that right. My pleasure, dear. I've got your back. Part of the special being at Sebring is driving in past the podium now. And Jordan Taylor, you got to stand on the top step last year. Does it make coming over the bridge a little more special when you look back and think about those memories? Yeah, I think the coolest part is having our board on the pit lane, which I haven't even seen yet in person. I've seen a picture of it, and I've been coming here since I was probably four years old. So those boards are, you know, very significant of the history of the race. So to have, you know, our Cadillac name up there with an American flag is, you know, special to us. Uh, obviously the podium is what it is, but I think that sign is more historical, um, and even, you know, just coming to Sebring is such a famous place. So to, to win the 12-hour last year was huge for us. Um, so to come back now as a, as a reigning, you know, winner is, is nice. And, you know, even going to, like, restaurants like the Chicane's over there at Inn on the Lakes, we'll probably get our picture on the wall there. And I remember going there every year as a kid and looking at all the pictures on the wall. So it would be pretty surreal to, to walk in there now and see a picture of us. And the fans who come here are famous for being a little bit crazy. Yeah. They're they're off the walls. So when you come back for the race, you expect even more fanfare. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, every year I come, uh, since I've been a driver since 2012, I go down to turn 10 during qualifying because I never qualify. And they've got a huge setup there. That's where all the characters come from, all the monks in them. And uh, So it's cool to, to go over there, like get, get to know everyone and really see like what makes Sebring Sebring is, is those people. So... Even yesterday at the test, there were people lining the track between 3, 4, 5, and down at turn 7. You could see fans. So I haven't seen that yet here for a test. So it's cool to see the you know, the race growing in that aspect. Especially if Ranger can do. Thanks, Joey Hand. If Ranger can do what he did at Daytona, replicate getting pole again. From your perspective, what was that like, seeing the 10 at the top of the board? 
very unexpected. I think, you know, we went into qualifying thinking, you know, we could probably be in the top five at best. And uh, once uh, once the session started, we we're like, oh man, well maybe we'll be like eighth, ninth, or tenth uh, because we were like right in the middle of the pack the entire time. And then uh, I don't know. He gets got. He had two laps to go at the end after he he caught traffic, so he got a gap and went for one lap. And we saw you know the pretty pretty coming down on that one lap, and we we're like, oh well, that was good. We jumped up to like fourth. And then the last lap we just saw his infield sector. I think was purple. Um, and then we had been talking all weekend about the bus stop and how to how to get through as, as quick as possible, and obviously take a little bit more chance in qualifying. And he he nailed it on that lap, and you know seven thousandths of a second couldn't be any closer. And the funny part is that like Ricky and Cash Nevis, they all thought we were sandbagging, <laughs> and we're like, there's no way Ringer could have timed it to, to get the pull by seven thousandths of a second, and. It was unbelievable. I think I, I was trying to get my phone out because I knew the lap was going to be close. So I wanted to film everyone's reaction, and the pit box just went up like crazy just because it was so unexpected. And it was perfect for Ranger to come in. You know, I, I can understand it being a high-pressure situation with the defending champions, but he's handled it perfectly, and and he proved at qualifying that you know that that's what we knew he could do, and you know he proved it to himself as well. So I think it's it was good for all of our confidence. At one point last night in the session, you were on track about mm, maybe 100 yards ahead of Ricky in the seven. Oh, was that him? Is it weird to be on track at the same time as him? Uh, It was weird when we were younger. Yeah. I think it's a lot more normal now that we're, I guess, more established and more comfortable in our roles. Uh, Now, just see each other as another car. Um, It is is weird, but I, I wouldn't race them any differently, I think. The interesting part is we know each other so well that we know how we race and we know how we get through traffic. So when we actually get into that position where we're actually battling, it's going to be interesting. But I think, you know, we're both with, you know, well-established teams and, you know, championship-winning teams. So I think we just got to focus on our own jobs. At a place like Sebring, though, you you guys have to have the upper hand with the Cadillac, a proven race winner here. You would think so, but uh, Penske's actually done more laps around here now than we have. They've done, you know what seems like eight days of testing in the offseason and last year we came in here with just this test and some running on the race weekend so they have way more miles than us on, on Sebring so um, I would expect them to be very strong you know when we come back for the race uh, every, everyone seems quick here though everyone seems you know to be within you know half a second probably all the manufacturers so I think BOP seems to be pretty close unless people are playing games and it's going to be a you know a big battle. Daytona has to be bittersweet because it was still the Cadillac that won the race. It just wasn't you guys. Were you actively cheering on Action Express after you guys dropped out? Not at all. Not I was. All. <laughs> I was. I was cheering for Ricky at that point. Um, I'm not a company man that much. Uh, obviously, I'm a big GM guy since 2011. But for me, you know, I'd much rather see my brother have success than another team. So uh, there's some backstory there with that team and some other people that you know we we clash. But I think seeing Ricky, you know, being successful is, is, you know, big for me and big for our team. You know, we've grown up with it, or the team has grown up with him, so they know how good he is, they know how hard he works, and that he deserves it. So, um, yeah, it was unfortunate for us, something out of our control to take us out of it. But I think, uh, you know, we showed good pace, and, you know, we, we could run well when, when the car was running. So we can, you know, still take some positives out of it. No place like Sebring for a bit of redemption, too. For this race, you guys have a slightly different engine than you had last year, but from what everyone's been saying, it's a lot more fun because all of a sudden you guys can play again. Are you feeling the same? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, last year, yeah, people thought that we were just, we had such a crazy advantage all year, and if they actually knew the facts, they would know that we actually had less torque at the end of the year than the Gibson did, so uh, we were, we had one hand tied behind our back for half the season, and we were still competing just because other guys were making mistakes and uh it wasn't yeah so this year we, we can come back with a more even engine i guess on a on levels of horsepower and torque so when they do make dop changes it, it's more relative so last year it was such a different package that they had to be so creative to hold us back and it would give us either an advantage in one area and a big disadvantage in, in another so now it's a little more even and i think as the season progresses it'll be a, a little bit better racing 
certainly hope so. Good luck in Sebring this year. Yeah, thank you. It's been a busy month for Lawrence Van Tour, but now you're back at Sebring. You're doing a lot of testing. I feel like you were on track almost all day yesterday in the Porsche. Do you just really like the car and the track? Is that why you asked to drive so much? Yeah, I think yesterday in total I was driving more than six hours. <laughs> it's uh, pretty exhausting here in Sebring because not my everything is a bit sore because you get shaken all over the place. Uh, but uh, yeah, we had a lot of things to do. Um, Sebring for me, it's on one way it's interesting because it's a big challenge with all the bumps and, and, and the old school stuff but the other way somehow it's a bit of pain in the ass <laughs> if you do a lot of laps and then if the car is not good it's really difficult and, 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 and you struggle to to find to find the right rhythm uh, it's, it's definitely a difficult place but uh, it's very interesting you guys did a lot of developing of this car at this track though so you have a lot of laps around here how much do you learn on a couple of days like this uh, I didn't do so much laps here because that was before I arrived when I did this 50-hour test. So I did the race last year here and now here. But uh, obviously it's uh, for a driver it's perfect because now in race week uh, when you arrive you know what to do and you need uh, one or two laps to to get yourself warm and then uh, then you're on it. And uh, it gives your confidence a bit, uh, a bit of a boost that you know what you do have to do. So uh, I always... I always say to Porsche, if you go testing, uh, I'm in because uh, I like, I like preparing. I like uh, trying to develop the car, improving it. Uh, it's not always easy. Sometimes it's frustrating, but it's, I think it's interesting. Sharing your car with Nick Tandy at this test, so it means one driver from each car. Does that mean you might get less seat time during race week because we've already had all the time? Uh, probably the others will get a bit more, uh, but it's not like I will only do a couple laps and that's it. Uh, for sure, yeah, uh, Earl and Jimmy will, will do a couple more laps to get acclimatized, uh, but then I guess it's normal, depends on uh, on David. <laughs> Porsche is the only other manufacturer besides Corvette that's gotten a win here in the last six years of GTLM. Are you feeling like after this test maybe your car is strong enough to compete for the win again? It's very difficult to say. Uh, honestly, in Daytona, <laughs> I was very confident and thought it would be good, and it was kind of a, yeah, you can say a disaster. Uh, so it's we have no timing and scoring. We everybody stopped watching each other now to see uh, to have an idea what the other one is doing. But then you don't know what they're doing if they're on higher low fuel uh, tires wise. So it's very difficult. The things we did, we improved the car. I think we did some some good things. Um, so I guess it's not too bad, but uh, I try not to get too uh, too uh, too high. But uh, it should be normally it should be good. When you come to a thing like this where you don't know what everyone else is doing, is it frustrating for you guys, or is it sort of like a, a weight off your shoulders? You only have to worry about yourselves. Yeah, well, on the one hand, you could say. I worry about myself, I do my job as good as I can uh, and that's probably the best way and the easiest way because it's the only thing you have in control. Uh, but after, you know, I think we're all here to win and if uh, even if I'm doing a good job and I'm, 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 I'm the quickest in the Porsche but I'm, I'm driving around in sixth position, I would still not be very happy. So. Uh, it's You need to find a bit of mix in it because it doesn't make sense to get nervous and to lose energy and stress yourself for things which you are not in control of. But, uh, yeah, obviously, we're only as win. <laughs> well, the last time we saw you was going for the win down at Bathurst, and it was your little brother who walks away with the trophy. I know you're mad at him. His first time there, he gets a win. But looking back on the race, did you enjoy it? Yeah, uh, and it was, it was really special because uh, the evening before, uh, we had an apartment a bit far away from the track and uh, we had to get up very early for the start and he slept at the track so uh, he let me slept, sleep in his uh, second bed so uh, I could sleep a bit more and we were talking about it in the evening making fun about it and we were speaking with my dad and I was I was saying oh, I'm going to catch you and I know yeah, you're never going to do it and and then actually during the race in the second stint um, it happened yeah. I saw him driving in front of me like uh oh <laughs> and uh you know, I know my little brother very well because we've—he's always looking up to me when I, when he was younger, and he was always happy for me. But you could see in his eyes that he wanted to do the same thing. And if people came to me and and were saying nice things to me, he was kind of like a bit a bit jealous, probably because he he wants to achieve the same thing. 
and uh, I knew when I was catching up to him that he I, I saw directly he was starting to get a bit nervous <laughs> because it's, because I was coming and then uh, it was really strange because I didn't want you know it's your little brother driving in front of you on Mount Panorama so it's not really the place where you want to do something stupid and uh, the moment where we overtook each other I was like okay stay calm let's let's get it over with but uh, after that when I was when I went on Twitter and I saw all the videos and, and people comments it was actually strangely I was quite emotional about when I was looking at the videos because you know we're when we were very young we were we were racing and we were racing at everything which we had it was a simulator it was a go-kart and we were always having fun and and now we were doing it in one of the biggest GT3 races in the world both as a factory driver and uh, I was just very proud of, of him and, and, and us being able to do that so would you like him to race over here in IMSA in, in GTD and then you could pass him all the time would that be fun <laughs> Actually, we we once raced each other in Spa 24 hour last year in qualifying, where he blocked me on my best lap. <laughs> but uh, this battle was the first proper uh, proper battle. But uh, yeah. yeah, well, good luck for the Sebring 12 hours, and I uh, hope you've enjoyed this test. Thank you. Well, Chris Mees, the last time we talked to you, it was on the other side of the world. Welcome back to Florida. You've had a pretty good record running at Sebring before. Last year was fourth, wasn't it? How do you get one place better? Well, I want to be three places better. Yeah. <laughs> at a minimum. Um, yeah, last year we came here for the first time as a team. I just was uh, here before one, like in in 13, I think. So uh, basically everything was new uh, and we needed to learn a lot. And I think we did. So um, I'm lo- really looking forward to this year's race. Um, no one really knows where we are right now because everyone is yeah, probably not showing everything or just d- doesn't want to show everything, whatever, because apparently everyone is a bit slow. But uh, we focused on the, on the setup stuff. Our car feels good. And um, I just want to, to win this one. You're driving with Sheldon again. He's not new to the team. But you've also got somebody that uh, the name on the door says Pikachu. What's this been like driving with Alessio? Yeah, because no one really can spell his uh, his surname. You know, <laughs> it, it's Picarello, and no one can really say that. So we named him Pikachu. It's much easier. Everyone knows who we mean, and uh, it's much quicker as well. Is he fast in the car as well? Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't have taken him. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the quickest guys I know. And uh, actually, the team told me that I can choose a teammate, and immediately he was the first guy out. He was in my mind. So. I knew him from uh, 2016. We did a race together in Asian Le Mans series. Mm. It was his first race in the GT car, and he was straight up the pace. And uh, I rate him very, very, very high. Um, and he's silver, so um, he's obviously um, one of the best silvers I know. And he, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he will do a good job. Do you keep like a list in your head of all the drivers you race against, of people you might want to share a car with someday? Well, you know, sometimes, I mean, there are a lot of good guys out there, but sometimes, you know, it also has to work off the track, you know. If you have a show-off or for some reason it doesn't work, then, I mean, it's good to have a quick driver, but if you can't work with him, then it's kind of useless. And I have the feeling that now, as we as our, as we have the team here with Sheldon, uh, Pikachu and myself, I think we work really, really good together in a team, and also the mechanics um, with the drivers is, is a really good team, you know, and I think this is quite important. You've been doing a lot of traveling, spent a little bit of extra time in Australia after the Bathurst 12 hour. How hard is it to just go from track to track? Well, I think you've done the same as you, the same yeah. traveling as you. <laughs> um, no, you know, look, uh, I like Australia, I love Australia, that's why I always stay there for a week or two if I can. Um, and actually, it's traveling. It's it's a thing you get used to. I mean, our travel was probably not as as normal as it should be. We went from uh, after Daytona, we went from Orlando to New York, New York, Munich, Munich, Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi, Sydney. So we took the other way around. Instead of flying 20 hours, we, yeah. we took us like 44, 45. Um, not ideal, but yeah. I mean, we came there and uh, we were in a pretty good shape. I mean, the team, the car, and everything. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's part of the job, I think. With this 29 land crew, it's a a lot of guys who speak German. It's a a lot of familiar faces for you. But then also pairing up with Starworks, you've got Peter Baron, you've got Richard Vockings. How easy is it to just drop in with them? Well, I I think we wouldn't be that strong without Peter. You know, he knows the series and he's a, we call it in Germany, uh, an old old fox. So he, he really knows all the tricks and 
and he knows where to adjust the car and you know because he knows the track so well so sometimes our car doesn't behave as good as we would like and we don't know why and he says don't worry if it cools down it will be much better again so and he's always right so yeah. it, it's pretty good to have him and his boys and the team you know pairing up and like Starworks and Land forming one big team with Monteplas Balance so it's pretty good actually having the experience from the 12 hour last year now do you feel like you're even more ready for Sebring this year uh, well for sure uh, we got a new tire with the Continental yeah. spec which is really really good I must say I don't know why Conti didn't bring it up earlier already like last year uh, it's a total different world the, the tire is really really good straight away and um, yeah so I think it suits the Audi as well um, I don't know about the others obviously probably they will say the same um, but in, in, in general it's an increase it's, it's an improvement from, from the tire side and um, I think we as a team also improved so all in all I think we are much stronger but of course like I said before we don't really know where we are I mean we really focus on our drivability and our setup uh, the car was quick the car was good um, but sometimes you come to, to a track and suddenly someone is one second ahead of you and you don't know actually why. So uh, I think we need to see and wait until the first practice in, in the race weekend. The good news is, though, this weather is like March weather for Florida. It should yeah. be very similar. So you guys have a lot of data when yeah. you come back. Yeah, well, uh, actually, I like the weather. It's much better than Europe right now. We have like minus 7, minus oh. 10 degrees, nope. which isn't so good. Nope. <laughs> Uh, but you know like the Florida weather is usually quite nice for racing and uh, I love it and like you said if the weather is similar to this then I think we are sorted out quite well I think you need to do more racing over here and get a home in Florida that's I'm uh, working on that I'm working on that quite hard but obviously there are some clashes with the European program so it looks like we probably just just you know just do four races which means Watkins Land and PT yeah. um, plus Sebring and Daytona but obviously it's on, on it's on my bucket list to do a full IMSA season here how cool is it going back to Petit, having won that race last year? Well, you know, Petit is great. It's, it's, it's a, first of all, it's the final race of the season, um, which makes it already good. But anyway, the track is nice. And what I like about IMSA is the, the show they put on for the fans and the spirit, you know, the vibe of the race. Um, I spoke to another driver from Europe. Um, he raced here quite a lot, Alex Riberas. Yep. And he's a big fan, and I agree with him. He said the vibe, the, the, the flair, the... You know, the atmosphere is so great in the paddock, on the track. The tracks are mega cool. And uh, I agree with him. You know, the racing here is fantastic. Well, lunch is served. Thanks for taking some time Thank to you. chat with us, Appreciate Chris. It. Thank you. Tristan Vaudier, last time I saw you, you had a big smile on your face. Bathurst went pretty well for you. First trip to the mountain was exciting, and now you come back to Sebring. What experiences are you transferring over? Any? Well, I mean, yeah, Bathurst was really amazing for us. It meant a lot for us to try and do well over there because that's the track on which Kenny grew his, pa his passion for racing um, and you know for him to go back there um, after having been in, in the States and away for so long and be on the podium for the first time uh, it, was, it was amazing, I mean this race is so tricky um, so difficult that you could go back 20 times and not make the podium there's so many variables that uh, yeah we feel fortunate, everyone did a great job, Kenny drove great uh, it was great sharing the car with Jamie and Lelo as well and we had a very strong lineup and so it feels good but uh, yeah racing is uh, as, as any sport you're only good as as good as your last performance so um, you quickly you celebrate and you quickly put it behind because you always got to be focused on the on the next challenge so now we're uh, Sebring focused how hard is it to swap back and forth between the Mercedes and the Cadillac uh, the toughest is actually to go from the Cadillac to the Mercedes because the GT cars obviously have uh, much less grip. So you get back in the GT and expect it to do some stuff that uh, it just cannot do, right? So the first few laps at Bathurst were actually pretty interesting, um, pretty wild. <laughs> Despite me not knowing the track, uh, I had, uh, yeah, I was uh, expecting a lot from the car. But uh, no, jokes apart, it's... Um, it's okay, you just gotta, you know, refocus on uh, and forget what you do in one car uh, to be good in the other. But yeah, it's always easier to step up, I feel, than to step back down. Interesting. Yeah. You got the pole here last year in GTD. That was in the Mercedes, obviously. You came third in the race then. How do you think you guys are going to fare in the spirit of Daytona this year? Uh, to be honest with you... Um, we don't know, we don't really focus on the performance compared to others. Anyways, there's no timing and scoring here, so all we can do is focus on ourselves. But um, 
Look, so far the car has felt great. We've gone in the right direction in terms of the changes we've made throughout the test, which is always good. So in terms of feeling, it's very good. We, we were, the lineup's good. Uh, all the three of us are up to speed. Um, so I think we have good chances. I mean, we've been, we've led for a few laps at Daytona. Obviously, we had the engine issue, but we were definitely in contention for podium or win uh, if we could be in position for the last few hours. So we're we're optimistic, but again, we're very task focused, not uh, results focused, and we really look at ourselves and try to not to not worry too much about the competition. When you have no timing and scoring at the test, you have nobody else to look at but yourselves. So does that help you get ready for the race even more then? Um, yeah, for sure. But to be honest, even when there's timing and scoring, we just we just focus on ourselves. So. Uh, and I think there's always kind of a way to have a guess where everybody is at, you know. And I think we have, we have a rough idea uh, of where we're at on that. But it, 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 to be honest, it doesn't change so much. Yeah. Driving with a driver lineup that hasn't changed from Daytona. You, Matthew McMurray, Eddie Cheever III. How have the three of you been getting along? Yeah, we get along good, to be honest. Uh, we have good chemistry. Um, it's good. We have a quite even level, the, the three of us. And... Uh, we have all uh, very similar feedback about the car as well, which is good because when you start contradicting yourself with your teammates, sometimes it's not very, very funny. But no, we were, we've all been saying the same things about the car, which has helped us going the right direction with the setup. And it's helped us working with, uh, with Rick, our engineer. So uh, it's been smooth sailing so far. Yeah. You've got the Cadillac name on the windboard now. How much pressure is there to make that happen for 2018? Um, I mean, to be honest... No matter what name we have on the car, we always push as hard as we can, as drivers, at least myself. So, uh, obviously, you know, being associated with such a successful manufacturer, and um, it, it, it's, uh, it's, um, you can say it adds extra pressure, and for sure it will add some pride if we do well. But anytime I'm in a car, no matter who I race for, I'm 101%, and uh, that, that just never changes, so that's how it is. The team didn't run a Cadillac last year, but it was a Cadillac that won. And I've seen Max Angelelli walking back and forth with you guys a lot. Has there been a lot of help from Cadillac to try and get the car back at least where it was last year? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's good communication between Cadillac, uh, Dallara, uh, and ourselves. There's very good support. Um, so we, we, we have engineering support from Dallara for, for the chassis, a very close relationship with the, the engine guys of Cadillac. So, uh, yeah, it's felt... Uh, it's it's felt it has felt very open uh, so far and we 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 felt supported so it's it's been good yeah feel like you might get to go for pole two in a year, two in a row uh, i i don't know if i feel like it i know i'm gonna i'm gonna give it all to go for it <laughs> good luck in this evening 12 hour <laughs> thank you fresh out of the park place porsche is patrick Lindsay. patrick you yesterday did very little driving. You had an agreement with Jurg that about doing your driver changes. What what exactly was that? Well, the debate came about is um, was that were we going to run a cool suit or not? And Jurg said, "No, I do not run a cool suit because when I get hot, I get out and Patrick goes in." And I said, "Okay, fine. Then I won't run a cool suit either. And when I get hot, I'll come out and you get in." So, I guess um, uh, Jurg kind of went back on his word a little bit he was enjoying being a seat hog despite the car being really hot and sweaty so um he just basically moistened up the seat for me so i could get in easier it was all that fitness camp experience of the last week he was just like superman right he was feeling very fit actually yeah he was commenting that i was really out of shape so um just because i came back from vacation and spent one day in the gym versus his you know whatever multiple triple a day you know workout regime so he was he was letting me know so i have some work to do before the race there are very few duos that are returning this year to IMSA. You and Jurg, I think, one of 11 total. There's a lot of people out there with mixed pairs, but you guys know each other so well by this point. How has that been helping you? Um, you know, it's like riding a bike, um, but Jurg makes it so easy anyway. Even our first season together, it was like we'd been doing it a long time. So he, um, he's one, one of the few guys who's just so easy to get along with, you know, molds right into a team, which is obviously what he's been doing for many years now with Porsche. Um, but getting a third season together is kind of uh, the perfect situation. Um, for a long time, I had different co-drivers every year, and so this has been um, particularly nice to have the same setup coming back into a third season with Jurg. Um, and then, of course, we get to do it more in WEC into the 2019 season, so I'm looking forward to that too. 
Yeah, since you bring that up, how cool is it to uh, know that you're going to be racing at the 24 Hours of Le Mans with your Bergmeister? <laughs> yeah, very cool. He um, he has a lot of laps around there, although my favorite might be the one where he flew through the air. Um, <laughs> <laughs> too soon? <laughs> <laughs> never too soon, never too Aww. soon. Every once in a while I find a picture of that and I show him, ask him if he really doesn't want to get his pilot's license. But uh, <laughs> You're just trying to keep him grounded, obviously. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Every once in a while I try to put Jurg in check, but um, it's tough. it's tough to do. He's so... He's so fun, and he just, you know, has such a good um, outlook on everything, you know, it's just, it, I feel bad whenever I poke fun at him, but, you know, we, we just have a really good time, and, you know, you don't, you don't really like someone until you can really give them a hard time and bust their chops, so that's what we try to do on a regular basis. It's true. As you can hear in the background, still cars running around out there, but you guys have decided to call it. What was the deciding factor? Because I know that you're never sick of seat time. <laughs> no, I uh, it was actually kind of a risk reward you know we've i think we've figured out most of what we want to figure out uh any further changes i think are just gonna probably take away from what we've already done uh we have got a good bit of data between Jurg and i this uh day and a half on the new tire the new tire is a little bit of a question mark but fortunately it's translating pretty well for us um porsche seems to like it uh we did a long run it seemed to hold up a lot better than uh, last year's tire on the long run so uh anything else we were going to do required um, quite a bit of investment in terms of sets of tires, you know, a whole nother run plan. And we basically just figured, hey, we're we're going to come to the race weekend and like everybody, we're going to show up and it's going to be completely different. Yeah. So um, we just figured, hey, we'll ra- wait till the race weekend, save our powder, save the runtime on the car. And I think um, everybody's happy, though, with our day and a half here. Um, of course, there wasn't IMSA timing and scoring. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we all had to get our stopwatches out. And that was a little, you know, archaic and funny. But, um, and I think people were going slower, you know, than, than they normally would have, even if timing and scoring was on. So it was just it was a little funny to watch and see how everybody reacted. But all in all, I'm pretty, pretty happy with the weekend. Now you're a true racer. You've had the stopwatch in one hand and the iPhone in the other <laughs> doing the lap charts. Do you feel like this was at least a fun experience? It's always fun, uh, especially at Sebring. Um, getting your head rattled around over the bumps in turn 17 and turn 1 is always a good time. Um, the last few laps, you know, there were um, quite a few people watching out in um, uh, turn 7, you know, by the hotel. So I kind of had <laughs> I had a little envy, you know, if it sounds good to go have a beer and stand by the side of the track and watch cars go around. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you don't want to trade it for anything. Pounding around in this car is so much fun at a place like this. Um, so I'm looking forward to coming back next month. I think we have. The tools to uh, to get it done in Sebring. Um, Tim was sick this week, uh, so he infor- unfortunately was still recovering. So we'll have him back, and Jurg and I got a ton of seat time uh, yesterday and today. So we'll, we're happy to let Tim have lots of long runs during the race weekend. We should be good. You drove with Tim Pappas at Daytona. You know him by now. How has he been fitting in with the duo of uh, you and JB? He fits in really well. Um, you know, we've known, known Tim for several years. He's just a cool personality you know he's funny he has a like drier you know awesome sense of humor so we like that um he's a Porsche guy through and through he's driven a lot of stuff but um at the end of the day if you follow him you know he's he's just nuts about Porsche so he's happy to be back with Porsche he's um he's doing a lot this year um and probably there's more in the way of announcements with him so he's um no he's he's great to have on the team he has a lot of feedback a lot of experience um I think he, he didn't have the most fun at Daytona, quite honestly. You know, we were a little off pace, struggled um, on the 5,000 uh, tire a little bit. So uh, so I'm hopeful that we have a little stronger car here. Um, you know, no, same thing was we always try to do no mistakes, execute on track and in the pits, and I think we'll have a good weekend. He had a good weekend the weekend after, winning <laughs> his class in Bathurst, so that helped too, in a Porsche. You talk about the different tires. There's uh, obviously a Continental all in itself for Daytona, but this is a new Continental that they brought out for the street courses as well for the, the normal racetracks. How big of a difference do you feel in the Porsche from the tire at Petite to what you were on today? Yeah, so the 5,000 tire that we run at Daytona is the oval tire, a little firmer construction. Um, the 6,000 tire that we ran last year on all the road course events um, got an upgrade, and so now they're calling it the 6,500 tire. Rounded edges, cools a little better. Uh, it's a little different setup for the car, but it's it's shown to be really a strong tire, another step in the development. So hats off to Continental for um, doing their homework. Even though this is their last year in the series, they could have ran that other tire, just made some little upgrades. They came out with a whole new package and I think really impressed everybody um, yesterday and today. So I'm, I'm excited for them because I think it also 
probably gives a little um, foreshadowing into what their plans are going to be. You know, maybe not so much spec tire, but really get into the tire battle with some of the other guys. And this tire proves that they can do that. So that's really exciting for Continental. Um, we like it. It's uh, I heard good things. So to actually drive it, have you know the good result is very good. It's welcome. You know. So uh, so no, I'm excited to go into the end of the year. Even though we won't we're in a full season, I'm excited to be on this tire. Uh, we've adjusted to it, I think, as well as we can. We'll continue to do that throughout the year, but all in all, it's a really, really good first day and a half on the tire. Best news for you, your session's done, which means you can go find a beer and go watch race cars around the track. Thanks, Patrick, and good luck. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Good to see you. Just a few cars left out on track as this session winds down. The final one, uh, five, I believe it is, from this week. Testing the Opsa Series. It's been the weather tech cars the last two days, and no times to report because there were no times published. That's right, the teams, as you've heard over the course of the weekend, not exactly thrilled about the fact that they don't know where they stand, but they will find out when they come back for the 12 Hours of Sebring, the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring, presented by Fresh from Florida, in a couple weeks' time. Now, one thing I do have to correct, in the intro last night, when I recorded it, there were no Cadillacs running out on track. As soon as I said that, all four of them went out and started turning laps. So we did see those Cadillacs out there running around in the darkness, which was a good thing because they got valuable data. And at the end of the day, we don't know times, but we know who looks From my perspective, the Fords look very quick. They are still going to be a force to be reckoned with, as well as the Cadillacs, the Penske's the Acuras, of course, they are also very strong. The Tequila Patron ESM Nissans, they also look like they are going well, just standing at various points of the circuit, watching the cars on their entry and exits off of various corners. You don't really learn that much when you come to a test, except for how people look on track, the stability and all that. So I hope you've enjoyed these shows presented by Cadillac. I'm Shay Adam with RS2 IMSA Radio. I'll be back for the 12 Hours of Sebring in just a couple weeks' time. Thanks. This program is a production of IMSA and Radio Show Limited. For more, visit RadioLeMond.com.